Hey there, this is Joel with the Path Design Podcast. Just reminding you that these specific videos that you are about to hear are much better viewed on YouTube because they hold images, pictures, photographs, slides that kind of depict everything we'll be talking about in this specific episode. And so keep that in mind as you listen that you might want to go to our YouTube channel. Just search Path Design Podcast on YouTube. And that way you will be able to see the images that depict what we're going to talk about so you get a more full picture of what is discussed here in this episode. Thank you for listening. Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can always find us 24-7, pathdesign.com. I get tired of saying that. I need a new intro. Send us an email. Hey, have you heard that before? Path to Zion podcast is the place to do it. It's a gmail.com, by the way. Thank you for joining us on YouTube today, and uh, we're excited to be here talking about Level 2, One Source, One Light of Life, Yeshua, no other. There is no other. There's no other cornerstone. We've established that in the last several weeks. There's no other light of life either. Now, we ended Part 1, Level 1, talking about a very simple question. What did, what did Yeshua mean? In Luke chapter 11, when he said, watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Now, now we've been examining some things in the scriptures that just don't really make much sense. You know, the last, the last uh, study that we did, we talked about the man of God and the old prophet and like how the man of God comes in and the old prophet deceives him and tells him he broke the commands of Yahweh because of what the old prophet told him. All these things because he lied to him, and then the the man of God dies. It's it's all these things, right? We we read these things in the scriptures, and like we have to just be honest and say, what in the world is going on? Sometimes that's okay to ask those questions. It surely doesn't make us a heretic. It makes us men who are inquisitive, who want to know what is this saying? Why is that here? Why did Yeshua say? Make sure and watch out. Man, when we see watch out in the scripture, bing, we better be alert. Watch out that the light in you is not darkness. What in the world? Well, does that mean that there is a type of light that can be darkness? Hmm. Yes. That's what we're going to talk about for the next, I don't know how long here, this time as I have spent several hours studying some things today that I want to take all this stuff that I compiled, all these pages... And put them out here, and you do with them what you will, friend. But it's an opportunity to be set free. The more I'm giving myself to this season, this hour, this very minute, I am feeling the Father bringing me things that are out of left field, man. I did not see this coming. I had zero intent today to look into what I'm about to share with you. I had no plans whatsoever to share this today. I was going to do, if anything, what I did in level one, and just talk about John chapter 8, one verse. But the next thing led to the next thing, led to the next thing, and here we are again, four or five pages typed later, and who knows how much of a recording to go. So we're going to go down a few floors of thought. And we're going to have a whole lot of history. Oh, guess what we got in this one? Slides. Pictures. Something where you don't just have to look at my face for the next 30 minutes. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited about this one. 
I think they're gonna this is gonna open some eyes, man. It's opening my eyes. It's opening my family's eyes. My nine-year-old son is sitting there and I go through these things. He's already heard this message. And I said, What do you see, son? He says it bullseye. What about this one? Bullseye. What about this one? It's everywhere, Daddy. Yes, sir. It is. And so now you're about to find out what it is. So pay attention. Again, a lot of history, a lot of photos, and a whole lot of Bible verses. If you don't like those three things, y'all have a good night. But if you want those three, stick around. We're going to have plenty of all three. In the year 321, Constantine instated the Lord's Day and named it to be the New Sabbath. Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh. I'll give you a minute to exit if you don't want to talk about this stuff. We're going to. Okay, so then, in year 363, only 42 years later, Canon 29 of the Council of Laodicea made it official. Okay, we're taking Saturday, Shabbat, Sabbath. We're moving it up a day. It's going to be the Lord's Day. The biblically commanded Shabbat of the people of God, the Jews, would be eradicated entirely, and the church from here would make the Sabbath day Sunday. Fast forward to today. In what Israel did for generations pre-Yeshua, what Yeshua Jesus himself did, honored and kept, what the disciples honored and kept, what Paul taught and kept, Saturday Sabbath was gone. You understand this? 363. The Lord's Day was taken control of by human beings, the new church, new religion, Jesus. No, we're changing this. We are telling you now the new Lord's Day on Sunday. Sunday. See how that see how even that little tweak of verbiage changes your thinking? Sunday. Oh, so, okay, Sunday. Let's church. Sunday. But then you say sun, pause, day. You understand what I'm saying? Sun, day. Oh, are you saying that that's a day about the sun? Or are you saying that's Sunday? Are you just talking weird? No, I'm trying to make a point. Sun, day. Day of the sun. Now, you can think I'm talking crazy from here on, but that's okay. I'm trying, not, I'm trying to practice not saying, I don't care, because I don't feel that way. That's a, that's a rude way of saying, moving on. <laughs> Maybe that's what I need to say. Moving on. <sighs> Fast forward to today. All these things that, that were, were normal for the children of Israel, normal for Yeshua Jesus, normal for the disciples, normal for post-Yeshua, post-Ascension, post-Pentecost, upper room, pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Are you catching on? All of these, Saturday, Sabbath. It was all changed. It was deemed fitting for, again, we're going to keep keep this, as I always try to do, keep this right here as a common thread and theme throughout this entire message. One source, one light of life, Yeshua. But a new light was being instated for the new church, and it just so happened to be called Sun Day. 
all about us, all around us, in every facet of our life. We see endless options, if you will, options, (laughs) of places to put our hope. False lights. Now, these false lights, false hopes, we've talked about those to no end as of late. Whether it's a nationalism-based mindset where a nation and a constitution give you your freedoms and your rights and your liberties, whatever you draw from to give you your source, whatever, well, they're your source, whatever they they bring to you for your, your provision, your safety, you know what I'm saying. These things are false lights. A different way of saying, through the scriptures we're going to get to, this is a different way of saying what we've been saying for quite a while. They pretend to bring us what we need. Liberty, freedom, constitutional rights. These may look appealing to the masses, and boy, do they ever. But they're mere fabrications by the evil one to continue to deceive mankind to find other light sources to pull their provision from. Okay? Something, anything other than the one light of life, the light of the world. Okay? It's just like this is a different tweak, if you will, of the foundation issue that we exposed weeks ago. When the foundation's off, everything in the building is wrong. There can be no right building on an incorrect foundation that is not the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. Now, here we are now. We're saying anything that is not sourced in the light of life, the light of the world, the sun, S-O-N, is a false light. It is a false source. It is incapable of producing life for any one of us. It's impossible. Just one of the many places that we see this throughout history, and here comes some history. I hope you enjoy this stuff. I'm not smart now. I'd like to make that clear. I am no historian. But this was, this was complete craziness, and I'm just being honest. As I'm starting out what I didn't even know was going to be a study today, I started finding all these things that I'm already looking at for another study I've been doing that we were at as recently as yesterday, okay? That my wife and I sat and talked for a very long time about some stuff just yesterday that popped up by complete accident this morning. Enter a man named Pythagoras, okay? He lived around 500 BC. He was quite the Greek philosopher. You for sure know his name. The Pythagorean theorem, you for sure know. He was a philosopher, a Greek instructor, lesser known, he was a very spiritual man in the sense of mysticism. He was, a, he, was a, he was a mystic man. Pythagoras believed and taught that every soul is immortal. He is referred to as the one who introduced many to the mathematics and astronomical prototypes that led to the heliocentric model of the solar system. If you don't know what that is, that's, it's, kinda, it's two options. There is either the sun that we know in the sky, the the ball of fire, (laughs) that one, it being the center of the universe, or an alternate option that many many people of his many of his predecessors started teaching was of uh, I wrote it down in here. They called it something. Maybe we'll get to it later. But they called it like this. I don't remember this fire ball or this fiery 
sphere. I don't know. It they they felt like there was either the sun was the center, heliocentric, or there was another light source that was sun-ish that even the sun that we know went around. If that makes sense. So when asked when why humans existed, Pythagoras said, quote, to observe the heavens. And that's what he did. History states that he openly practiced divination and numerology and was a key player in, in, in inserting new science in regards to the shape of the earth and how everything is heliocentric, sourced by and coming from the sun, is all that means. In some cases, this is it here. There was something more than the sun that we know. is called the central fire. He had many predecessors. Nicole, uh, Nicholas Copernicus. We've heard, I think we've heard all these names. Johann Kepler. Others you may remember from, from your school days, back when you used to read boring science books. <laughs> so once again, here we are. Why does this stuff matter? I may have already lost a lot of you. Please stay, please stay with me. There is, a, there is a major purpose in what I'm setting the table for. To most people, it doesn't matter. I understand that. So this is, man, if you're watching this right now, man, you are, you are part of a very, 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 very narrow people. But for those who are willing to peer in, you're going to begin to see endless examples and connections of the deeper, more subtle subversions of Yahweh's ways and wisdoms and everything he set in place. Mankind inserting new ideologies and functions received by other deities that were always throughout history and throughout civilization after civilization masquerading as light. Power was there in them. A new source, always this new source, new religion, new religion, new religion, new God, new deity. Yahweh? No. We don't need him anymore. I'm going to show you even with pictures the, the, the plurality of the common theme throughout generations and civilizations of the main source being the sun. Please stay with me. This is going to make sense. I promise. Who, let's, we just talked about this in the last episode. Who tempted and deceived Eve in the garden? It was the serpent, Lucifer, Hasatan. The, the, the true word in Hebrew for, for serpent is the Nachash. Nachash. Now, the Nachash were the shining ones, okay? Shining. Now, we talked about that in the last series as well, how these were beings that were beautiful, attractive, alluring, desirable now. We talked about that in the spiritual osmosis study. And the church has seemingly forgot and just become ignorant that the adversary comes to us as something or someone attractive, desirable, alluring, something that seems very, very, very good and appealing to our own eyes. The church really does seem to have forgotten that. They'll call out a, a musical artist or a movie or a politician, of course, or all whatever they deem bad guys that are just like, you know, here, here, here's a little thing I can't help but say, but duh, no kidding. 
A blind man could call out so-and-so as being an evil man in the darkness. Big deal. But the things that are masquerading as light has pulled the wool over the church, and they have no idea. We talked about that in the last series, man. This stuff is its interesting how it continues to progress along. All of it interconnected as we go. So what in the world do we do with this stuff we're about to get into? I just barely thrown a little nugget out there about sun day. Pythagoras beginning to institute some things. He was a very mystical guy with a lot of stuff in numerology and just a bunch of weirdness. We need eyes to see. I think, though, that this is an age, as I already said in part one, in level one. I believe Holy Spirit is is starting to reveal to some people, myself included, these false lights that's, that's governed the nations and the nation I live in for sure for far too long. Will we have eyes to see? Let me put this before you before we start getting to some pictures here. Will you have eyes to see? At least give yourself to willingly say, maybe this crazy man's true. Maybe he's going to present something that's true. Not everything I say is perfectly true. Or are you just going to go, stuff's weird. Crazy talk. Sun day. <laughs> When's it matter when we worship the Lord? Oh, boy. I've heard that one. Oh, my gosh. What's it matter? Uh you might want to go there and peek back at the very beginning of the book there and find out if it matters to Yahweh Elohim or not. Not to you or me. It isn't about my opinion or yours. <laughs> There's one true light, as we keep talking about and keep referring back to. There's one light of life. And as we said in, at the end of part one, the beginning of this one, watch out that the light in you is not darkness. There is a light that is darkness, and that's why we're talking about this. Just to be clear, we're going to read a bunch of scriptures now. The prophet Jeremiah tells us that the kings of Judah loved and served the sun and worshipped it. Jeremiah 8, chapter uh, 8, verse 2. At that time, the oracle of the Lord, the bones of the kings and princes of Judah, the bones of the priests and prophets, the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem will be brought out of their graves and spread out before the sun, moon, and whole host of heaven, which they loved and served, which they followed, consulted, and worshipped. They will not be gathered up for burial, but will lie like dung upon the ground. Who's going to, whose bones are going to be scattered out on the ground like dung? Those who loved, served, followed, consulted, worshipped, sun, moon, and the hosts of heaven. Jeremiah 19, verse 3. The houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah shall be defiled like the place of Topheth. All the houses upon whose roofs they burnt incense to the whole host of heaven and poured out libations to other gods. So let's start looking at some things here. I'm going to turn off my face and, and please follow along and pay attention. Because this is going to take a this is going to take a few minutes. Now this right here is a, a tablet, a stone, and it is called a topheth. Okay, T O P E P H E T H. Okay. Now, now again, this 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 topheth is in several places in Scripture, and I just read Jeremiah chapter nineteen. 
Now, this is, I'm starting, I'm trying to go in chronological order here in part. Now, when this says the houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah shall be defiled like the place of Topheth, all the houses upon whose roofs they burnt incense to the whole host of heaven and poured out libations to other gods. Now, who are we, what's going on here? They are, they are idolizing the sun, moon, and stars, the host of heaven, and it talks about this Topheth. Now, when you look at this image here that you see on the screen, if you know anything about anything, you see up there on what we'll call the mantle, or whatever you want to call it, above this little man's head, you see an ancient Egyptian symbol that we'll get into in more detail in a few minutes, in case you don't know. But that's obviously an old Egyptian symbol with the sun in the center and the wings on the side. It is always associated with Horus or Ra and Egyptian sun gods. And so there is all the way back in Jeremiah, we're talking about this Topheth. Okay? Now, Topheth was known for child sacrifices. Okay? Is it coincidence that this nation, America, is inundated with the spirit of Molech? Okay, the spirit of Molech, you hear about it all the time. If you follow anything in Christian, uh, what do you want to call it, just false prophet vision land, you hear it all the time. You hear it in mainstream Christianity, of course. Well, why is that? Why is, why is there... Abortion here, is it because of the evil democratic agenda or is it because of stuff like this? Okay, we, let, let's read this. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 10. The king, Josiah, also defiled Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom so that there would be no longer any sacrifices of sons or daughters by fire in honor of Molech. Okay, so, so just to be real clear. Why are we seeing this right now in this, in this study? Because I want to set a foundation that I did in the last ones as well. The things that have been have always been. The things that are now have always been as they once were. This is a cyclical pattern of humanity, and this nation is no different and surely in no way whatsoever exempt from all of these things. She is not exempt. This is ancient, old civilizations. And we're repeating it all. Now, why am I saying this? Because we're starting to show these things are going to establish a pattern of civilization after civilization after civilization throughout history, worshiping the sun. It's in your Bible, friends. It's all over your Bible. When you look at the temples of Baal, when you look at the Asherah poles being set up, when you look at things with Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, and when you look into all these different idolatrous ways of, of, it's everywhere you look. Then, in our Bibles, in history, in ancient civilizations period, secular, and it's all around us today, everywhere you look even in places you're not looking, which is the point of why we're bringing this out. So this Topheth is all throughout the Scriptures, and I'm telling you, I'm making this connection because that's why the spirit of abortion is in America. That's why. That's why children are aborted more here than anywhere else in the world. Why? Because the spirit of Molech is here, because even the church gathers on the day of the sun to worship Yahweh Elohim. Do you understand what I'm starting to insert here? 
You cannot just say, that's ridiculous. Not if we believe what the Bible teaches. Not if we believe in the patterns of how things matter. And when Yahweh God says, you don't ever do this, and when you do, you will be cursed. And then the curses come because we do exactly what he said, do not do in this very nation I live in. And what do we do? We blame everybody else. We blame a political party. We blame Planned Parenthood. We blame gays and lesbians. We blame this and this and this. We don't take anything in and look back at our foundation and say, wait a minute. We worship God, God, on the day of the sun. That's got to be a problem that is addressed. Even if you think it's foolishness, friend, put it before the Father and ask him, is this true in any measure? Molech was the god ascribed to the temple of Baal that was predominantly what? Sun worship. That's what the temple of Baal was. The worship of the sun. A false idol, a false deity on a false Sabbath day. Okay, so Ezekiel. Let's, let's, let's keep moving. We'll have some more images here. Well, let's look at this one, okay? You'll like this one. We're going to go back a ways here. This is called the Apis bull calf, okay? Now, many people, this is verifiable easily right now if you go about the internet and poke here and there. This is very likely what the golden calf looked very similar to, if not just like, when Moses ascended up to, to interact with the Most High on the holy hill, and he just wasn't coming down. This is what the people built to worship. Now, they would have understood then, and it's understandable now if you take even moments to study these things out, that this calf has a disc in between its horns, and the disc represented the sun. You can find many depictions of this online in mere moments of how through ancient history you found this being worshipped. And this is what was understood to have been formed by the people waiting at the base of the mountain and saying, you know what, Moses, you're not coming back down, so Aaron, you better get the earrings melted down, buddy, because we're bored down here and we need something to worship. Well, this is what they got. This is what, this is what they made. Here's another depiction of possibly something very similar. They're all over the Internet to be seen. Now, this obviously has some Egyptian goddess underneath. Don't be distracted by her. But look at the same symbology with this calf, with the sun in between its horns. It is very, very, very predominant all over the place for that time period. Now, here's something else. Now, this one, the best I could find is this. They said through, through man, holy cow, how many commentaries and history pages and not just things like Wikipedia alone, but like historical websites talking about how this was one of the this is one of the oldest depictions of of early sun worship. It used to all be gold there, but this is from 1400 BC. I can't remember what it's called. I tried not to focus too much on the um, the images themselves, but but the the symbology was understood that there was a chariot that carried the sun, and wherever the chariot went, we're going to make connections to this, to gods and goddesses in, in a few moments. And it, they harnessed the sun and, and the sun's power, and they brought it down to earth 
to empower men. Now, this here is called the Shamash Tablet. Now, this is very interesting. If you've been following along with the program at all, especially in the Inhabitants series, when we started going hard and heavy at the um, founding of this nation and all the pagan deities in the Supreme Court, there was a man, if you remember, his name was Hammurabi. Now, this man, if you didn't watch that series, Hammurabi is, is one of the 18 greatest lawgivers of history that is carved into the walls of the Supreme Court building overlooking all of the laws of the United States of America. And those individuals were set in place there to tell everyone that would come in and see them that there is a pantheon of gods and deities and human beings that were drawn from and empowered from on high and not most high to bring the greatest laws to the American people to establish the greatest government that the world would ever see. Now, one of those individuals was Hammurabi. Now, this tablet that you see right here is the Tablet of Shamash. This tablet is Babylonian. It's from around 850 B.C., the best I could find. The solar deity Shamash exercised his power of light over darkness and evil. Shamash became known as the god of justice and equity and was the judge of both gods and men. According to legend, the Babylonian king Hammurabi received his code of law from Shamash. Again, why does this matter? Because like we exposed back in the other series, Hammurabi received his oracles, the greatest laws that this nation said were ever given to men, and he gave them to the United States of America via George Washington to empower him to set up a nation alongside with Confucius and Muhammad and all these other deities and individual human beings. Why? To bring wisdom and power to humanity and to the nations. Now, just again, to make this clear, we all know these things, but it helps to see them. This is an ancient practice. This is an ancient Egyptian carving. And of course, my son could even figure out what they're doing. Noah, what are they doing, honey? Man, they're worshiping the sun. Look how they're lifting up their hands. There's something as an offering in their hands. Maybe that's some fire down on the right. We're not really sure. And of course, we can't read hieroglyphics, so who knows what it's telling us. It's probably better that we don't know, but they are clearly worshiping the sun. Now, as we establish this, it crosses over every single religion that is on the face of the earth. I could have spent the rest of today and into tomorrow and into the next day looking into how every religion has some tie into the sun and the power that it gives. It is all over the place, and I'm not even kidding. It is every single place that you look. That's Buddha. This is a Japanese sun god. I don't know their names. It's irrelevant. You see how the rays are coming out? They are obviously the central figure. There's a story that went along with this image that I'm not going to read for the sake of time. Now we go back to, um, let's see, we are in Greek history. Apollo, the god of light, the god of the sun. He's the son of Zeus, Artemis. Now, interestingly, I don't have time to get into all this, but it, man, I'd like to. <laughs> Artemis. Artemis shows up in your New Testament. And I don't have time to get into all of it. I started studying out Artemis about two months ago, and I stopped because of all these other things that were going on. But Artemis 
comes on the scene and they're like, oh, great, Artemis. Oh, please don't take take our Artemis temple down. She is everything that provides us with all strength and all power. Well, <laughs> hmm. His, <laughs> his twin sister was Artemis. Apollo, god of light and the sun. Again, we are dealing with something right here, right now, today, that is nothing new. Here, let's go back some more. This is, of course, is Egyptian. This is the sun god Ra. He has the sun on his head. And interestingly enough, what's coming out of the sun? A serpent. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden, a serpentine one. A serpent, man. A shining one, a nakash. The one who lured Adam and Eve into being deceived and said, guess what? You don't have to depend on Yahweh Elohim creator to be your power and to be your source. He's holding things back from you. He's holding things from you that you deserve. If you want to be empowered and deified and be like him, eat of that tree. And they did. And they tried to self-deify. And that is what's been happening ever since. And that's what's all around us today is sun day, sun worship. It is all about us, and it's infiltrating every single thing, including the church, which we will get to in mere moments. Okay, let's go through these slides here. Do we already see this one? No. Here's Ra again. Coming from the sun, it's all this symbolism and craziness. Look, there's the serpent again wrapped around the sun, harnessing the light. That's such a predominant thing throughout all these religions are the ones that are harnessing the sun for power and for strength. And it's this Luciferian ridiculousness that brings power to men. It, it, it empowers men to be what? Like God, like Yahweh Elohim. You don't need him anymore. And why am I saying all of this? And we've got a lot more to come. We're going to make this the, 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 the first part of level two, and then we're going to go and do one more. But listen to what I'm saying, friends. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a connection that all of these things that we have barely begun to insert into our understanding of what's taken place through history, all of these deities, civilizations, religions, they have tried from the very beginning to replace Yahweh God's ways. His only one way which culminated in Yeshua Messiah, the one source, one light of life. And friends, he is sufficient. We need no other. We need no other better idea. We need no other better way to do things. We don't need a new religion, Jesus, that came and undid everything that Yahweh God established. And now we worship him on the day of the sun because some men sat down at a big stone table one day in the third century and said, we're taking away the Sabbath. We're taking away Yahweh's Sabbath and we're making it Sunday now. And if you don't like it, you will be killed and eradicated. Do we understand that that's what the followers of the way faced? That's why Shaul Paul was hated and run out of everywhere he went. Not because he hated Torah, but because he was saying, we are now the followers of the way, keeping what has always been established by Yahweh Elohim all the way back to the very beginning of time. We are a people who do his commands in Yeshua Messiah. And when those two merged, 
Many people hated it. Now, many people followed. By the thousands, people followed. We know that. But as Yeshua died, rose again, ascended, Holy Spirit comes down, fills people in a way that had not been previous. As we've said so many times, the decline immediately started. So much so that as we have already read, in the third century, what happened? 363, Canon 29 of the Council of Laodicea, we have named a new Sabbath. There will be a new Lord's Day, period. And friends, that is what we do today. If you are just a mainstream American Christian worshiping on the Lord's Day, friends, it is not simply just by happenstance Sunday now. I'm telling you, there is a reason. I'm not crazy. I'm not a lunatic. There is a biblical reason that we have been warned throughout of all of time, if we've are, as we have already read in Jeremiah, and we're going to read in countless other scriptures in the next part. The house of Jerusalem and the house of the kings of Judah shall be defiled like the place of Topheth, all the houses upon whose roofs they burnt incense to the whole host of heaven. All these people are set for judgment because they defied and they stood up in the face of Yahweh Elohim and said, we're doing it our own way. And friends, I know it hurts and I know, I've, I, know I sound offensive. And the modern day Christian church believes she's good. She believes she's right. She believes she can worship God wherever, whenever, however she wants because Jesus came and inserted grace into the church as if it didn't exist before. But friends, we've squandered our freedom and we've redefined how we worship Yahweh Elohim and he is not pleased. This must change. This must change. I'm going to give more evidence towards this in the next part and that will be our conclusion. We're going to look at 2 Kings, Ezekiel chapter 8, 2 Kings 23, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're going to look at more images of historical accounts and civilizations and God, sun God worship that is going to come right into right here, right now and give us a choice on what we're going to do and who we're going to be. I pray that you listen with an open heart to it at least being possible. Is it possible that what we're saying is true? You're watching and listening to the Path to Zion podcast. We're trying our best to rediscover the ancient way. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Find us online at pathtozion.com. Send us an email, pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be right back to conclude this series. Amen.